It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling Gulf Coast is the inspirational voice of Gulf Coast fishing and conservation. Hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist, conservationist, and flounder revolutionary, Chester Moore. Be ready for a relentless pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of fishing adventure. All right, welcome to Higher Calling Gulf Coast. This is Chester Moore, and I've been very excited about this particular program. We're doing our Flats Slam series, and I'm breaking a rule. We're actually sneaking over to the Atlantic side for a second for this show. Uh, we're talking with a guy that put me on my dream fish, the bonefish, <laughs> all the way from Miami, Florida. We have Mr. Captain, should I say, Mo Estevez from Miami Bone Fishing. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Chester. I appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I always have to work my fishing trips around something else I'm doing budgetarily. And I was looking online and uh, looking at your website, you know, like six or eight months ago, and I'm like, this almost looks too good. Like, I was looking at some of them like, <laughs> these are big bonefish, and I haven't heard about these things yet. You know, I'm always seeing some guy in the Bahamas or, you know, the Seychelles or somewhere like that. And uh, as I am quite pleasantly surprised to say, uh, went out with you and caught a, about an eight-pound bonefish, my first ever, and about had a heart attack in the process. It was so exciting. <laughs> and uh, we lost a couple of fish before that, and we won't talk about those. But uh, it was an incredible yeah. experience, man. And, um, you know, you're fishing down in Biscayne Bay. And just to start things off, just tell us a little bit about the fishery, Biscayne Bay and bonefish. For those who don't know, you even have bonefish down there. Yeah, so Biscayne Bay is actually one of those somewhat hidden secrets or locations. Um, I mean, we, these bonefish have been around here the whole time. And um, the first guide that ever started running flat fishing trips for bonefish um, was back in the in the 1950s and um so you know people go all over the world you know they're more popular places the bahamas and belize and you know everywhere else and you know they go and they catch bonefish and then when they call me because they're here on vacation and uh they're saying well you know we're gonna go head down to the keys but um you know we can't we don't have the time um so how's your bone fishing do you guys have bone fish and to me it's always so interesting how you know, everybody bypasses Miami and Biscayne Bay. They go down to the Keys, and uh, they're leaving fish right under their nose to locate fish miles and miles and hours away. So our bone fishing, our bone fishery is actually great. We have some of the world's largest and largest number of large bonefish in the world. So those people, those bone fishermen that are in the know, they know that they, this is where they need to come. They all go to the Bahamas. They'll go to Ascension Bay. They'll go to all these places around the world. And they, they'll tell me they'll catch 10, 15 a day. Wow. And then they get here and I point out bonefish and they're telling me, no, Captain Mo, that's the Barracuda. You don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> and yeah. once they spook that bonefish and they see that, that blue rimmed fork tail moving away, they're in total shock. And they try can't believe there's big bonefish like this in you know in Miami. So yeah, this is where people come to graduate, man. We we have some really tough bonefish. So 
you know, these are really big, tough, smart fish. I tell you what, I was impressed, and I've been blessed to catch everything from peacock bass in Venezuela to whales, catfish, and white sturgeon, and wahoo, whatever. But, uh, you know, my number one fish always on my list to catch has always been a bonefish. I just never got around to going to do it. And when me and my good friend Todd Jurassic went down to do it with you, and I almost didn't do it, kind of like the last 15 minutes of the trip, um, <laughs> I tell you what, nothing pound for pound is in the league of a bonefish that I've hung into yet. Pound for pound, that was epic and certainly deserved. And especially, you know, we caught a pretty good-sized bonefish there. Um, but I've caught tons and tons of redfish that same size and bigger and that fish fought like a 50-pound redfish. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, they, they are really fast. And, and, you know, the interesting thing to me also is I'll have guys that book me for bonefish, never caught a bonefish. They catch a bonefish. We put them in the net. And they're looking at me, and they're telling me, I, I can't believe that little fish <laughs> fights that hard. And, they, yeah. and you know, the, the closest I've come, and it's, funny you say about redfish because I, I tell clients this sometimes uh i went up to new orleans uh uh-huh. back in 2019 to fish for those big redfish in the marsh on fly yep and i ended up catching some on spin uh conditions weren't right for fly but these fish were 25 30 pounds yeah and as far as inshore fish not counting obviously the the permit and the tarpon it took a 25 to 30 pound redfish to fight like an eight pound bonefish. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that's the best because I catch redfish all the time. So to me, that's what I naturally would compare it to. But it's like three to four times bigger redfish, you know. So it's, uh, if anyone wants to do this, I mean, don't hesitate. It's, it's an incredible experience. And I knew they were going to fight hardcore because I've talked to a lot of anglers, but experiencing yourself is a different thing. And also experiencing Biscayne Bay was different because we left and there's like a nuclear plant on one side. And then. <laughs> And I look out on the other side, and if you didn't look one direction, you would think you were in some remote island somewhere. It was literally, I would say, some of those beautiful water I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, we're, we're really blessed and spoiled with the, uh, the fishery that we have here, and um, especially down south, you know, where we fish from that day. It's, uh, it's all part of Biscayne National Park. National Park Service has tried to do a good job uh, managing it, but you don't really have to cross to the Bahamas or go down into Key West, Lower Key, to, to find that beautiful water, yep. crystal clear, healthy grass, and just uh, world-class fishing. It's, it's unbelievable. And you're catching bonefish, and you're staring at downtown Miami sometimes. It, it's, it's just the craziest thing. Yeah, it's very, very cool. So, you know, when you go out and bonefish, kind of walk someone through your typical day of seeking bonefish. Let's look, let's just spin the spinning side right now, then we'll go into fly for a little bit. But, like, you got some guys on spinning. What is your typical, how do you usually start your day? Well, you know, since, since we're in July now, you know, I'll, I'll focus on that. Mm-hmm. So our typical summer morning, and we've had anything but typical summer mornings lately for some reason. But our typical summer morning is very calm, like you experienced that day that we went out. Yeah. It's very calm, no wind. And uh, so I try to get an early start, 6.37, take advantage of that fish right outside the marina, fish shoreline. 
Mm-hmm. And then you can see the tails, you can see the weights coming at us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the big deal with that is that it's so visual and it's, it's really difficult to do, right? You have to be sure. a really good caster. But those conditions in that area of the bay where we fish that morning, that is, you know, I, I tell people all the time, as, e- as hard as bone fishing is, this is as easy as it gets, right? Calm mm-hmm. wind mm-hmm. and shallow water. You can see the fish moving slow. And uh, so we just basically pull down the shoreline waiting for these schools. And you can see when it's on, it's just school after school. I, I refer to it as a conveyor belt of fish, right? It's just school mm-hmm. after school after school. And um, so, you know, the, the key thing is just to make a long cast way in front of the school on shrimp. And let just let it sit. Let the shrimp be shrimp and let the bonefish be bonefish. Eventually, the bonefish find it and we hook up and then people freak out at you know, the, the fight and the speed of these fish. Um, and then mixed in there, sometimes you'll see some permit as well, um, especially now this time of year, and some small tarpon also. But, um, you know, once the wind kicks up, then we move on to what's called the ocean side, right? And those yeah. are the flats that look more like the Bahamas and the Keys with the turtle grass and all that. Mm-hmm. And then all of that is going to be, you know, sight fishing as well. But now the fishing becomes a lot harder because on the ocean side of Biscayne Bay, you have a lot of current. Where on the west side by the marina, there's very little current and those fish just move slow, much, much more predictable. Sure. The ocean side fish move a lot quicker. So it's the same process, right? We're polling, we're looking for fish, but now our window of opportunity is much, much smaller. Um, but Again, it's the environment that people are used to seeing on TV, reading in magazines, you know, traveling overseas for bonefish. You know, it's that light-colored water with turtle grass and stuff. It's, it's, it's great, um, but it is challenging. Mm-hmm. And if we score, it's so rewarding, as you found out. Absolutely. Dream come true level stuff, you know. And um, it's one of those dreams that come true in the fishing world that I was actually exceeded my expectations, you know. And uh, so that's always a good thing. Now, you got guys, of course, my dream, I'm coming back next year to do it on the fly. I've been improving dramatically in my fly stuff. I'm a, I call myself moderate level fly fisherman now. I've been going, I've been to Montana since we've talked in Colorado and Oklahoma and catching lots of trout and stuff. And um, if someone wants on the fly, I'm, obviously this is sight fishing type of stuff, but you mentioned that the bonefish in Biscayne Bay can be particularly spooky. So this is going to require some long casting, I bet and some real finesse, careful fishing. Yeah, so my typical setup is going to be an eight-weight, um, obviously weight-forward floating line bonefish, and um, a 12-foot leader. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, it's, it's the bite tippet that I use is usually 20 or 30-pound fluorocarbon. Yeah. And some of the purists, and they're wondering why. And that's because we have a lot of bottom structure, right? right? Sure. We have a, abandoned crab traps. We have mm-hmm. coral heads. We have all kinds of stuff. But um, the, the key thing here is being able to double haul and make, you know, 50, 60 foot cast. And some people can, a lot of people can't. And it's not just necessarily a lack of skill, right? I mean, if you're not, if you're fishing for trout on a river and all you have to cast is 20 feet, yeah. why would you even try to figure out the double haul? Yep. But I always tell my clients ahead of time, if they're not very proficient at that, I always um, ask them to go on YouTube, look at some videos on how to double haul into practice. Because the reality is, 
bone fishing is really difficult and you add fly to that, it's just, it's much, much harder. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the key is just that double haul, long cast and, uh, and, and no 12 o'clock cast cause you end up hooking me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not good. Not good. Not good. <laughs> Don't want to hook the captain, man. If I was a guy, no one would ever have a treble hook in my boat. <laughs> I would be, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm, I would be like, no, we're not doing that. You know, uh, you know, Todd well, I've, there. I've considered, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. With, with some clients, I've considered wearing, uh, like chain mail just to protect myself throughout the day, but it's kind of heavy. Yeah. I hear you a little bit hot out there this time of year. Right. <laughs> But, you know, you're out there, you're getting these big fish, um, and, uh, you know, you're doing more of a high-level end of fly fishing than maybe a lot of us are, are used to going out to get these big fish out there. But how much have you learned more about them by taking the fly approach? Because obviously you got to get closer, you got to look. I'm sure it's almost like bow hunting, that you have to get a little bit closer and learn a little bit more about the fish. Yeah, that's a good analogy, and that's, that's about right. You know, so we're, when we're spin fishing, uh, you have your bolt action, you know, for deer. Exactly. But when you switch to fly, now you have your bow, and it's just much harder. Sure. And so over the years, what I've what I've realized, and I kind of knew it all along, but it just really hit home once I started fly fishing for them a lot. Is that they have really good eyesight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bonefish do so. You know, when you're throwing a shrimp, you're appealing to their sense of smell yeah. and you're appealing to, to their to their eyesight as well. But when you're using fly, it's strictly uh, appealing to, to their eyes, right? To their visibility, their vision. They, they just, they're just so good at that. Yeah. And um, so then, you know, your margin of error is just so much smaller, mm-hmm. right? So I always tell people, you know, if you're going to practice, you know, put out some paper plates in your backyard, you know, at 40, 50, 60, 70 feet and drop your fly inside that paper plate because that's really going to be your window of opportunity. Yeah. Um, they have to be able to see it. Now, they're really good at that, but you, you got to help them out and drop it in front of them, right? Uh, it always helps if you have a big school because mm-hmm. then they're competing and it's much easier to see them. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot harder and, and you do learn more about that fish when you start fly fishing for them because it's um it's just so high level right it's not just drop the shrimp in front of them and and wait this is you're manipulating that fly you can't cast it too close or too far and you learn their behavior and you realize how spooky they can be and you also learn to read their body language as they swim you see a bonefish swimming and you can tell by his body language if he's on alert Mm -hmm. if he's really relaxed if he's cruising or if he's looking for food and and you figure that out um, you know, bone fishing, but really take it to the next level when you start fly fishing for them because every little nuance is so critical for success. This is Chester Moore, editor-in-chief of Texas Fishing Game, the oldest and largest outdoor magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two award-winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook and bullet how-to information, we have committed to our resources to bringing you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award-winning coverage by subscribing to the Texas Fishing Game Print Edition, six issues a year, by calling 800-725-1134 
That's 800-725-1134 or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for a three times per week e-newsletter to stay current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, camping, shooting, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. The senses of, a, of any kind of animal are so far animated above what we have most of the time. You know, they're able to feel things in the water through their lateral line and, you know, the sense of smell and all these things. And that visual sense, does that ever come into where you're perfectly still? No one's really moving, but they see color or something and move. I mean, uh, is, it, is it to the point where, you know, I know guys who were like fish for different fish in the flats. You think, you think that's a little extreme or you think in some cases that might work for bonefish? You know, as, as far as color, I've, I've been on, on both sides of that argument, right? So mm-hmm. some people will tell you, don't wear bright colors. And other people will tell you, it doesn't matter. When I first started guiding, and when I first started guiding, all I did was bonefish harp and permit. Mm-hmm. And so I never wore bright colors, you know, shirts or anything. And I always told clients, don't bring me some bright orange or bright yellow or some weird color. You know, I want natural colors. But what ended up happening is sometimes you'd have a fish, you know, a school of fish coming or a big single fish, and these guys would drop, you know, a fly or a shrimp right in front of them and spook them. Or sometimes they would drop it and the fish would just eat it. Mm-hmm. I've had guys hit the bonefish on the tail and they spin around and eat it, and this is all like 30 feet from the boat, Wow! right? Super close. So over time, I've kind of gotten over the whole color thing. And I only have one bright colored shirt that I use for work. And that's a very faded orange at this point yeah. because of the sun. And I, and I wear it and I have no qualms about it. I, I don't really think color matters as far as what we wear. Mm-hmm. I think what matters to them is the movement of the boat because they can feel the pressure waves. Yeah. And also, obviously, you know, you don't want to get too close because they can see us and you don't want to drop a fly or shrimp right on top of their head. But, uh, you know, as far as colors and what we wear, uh, I'm just not convinced that that's the case. Now, when it comes to flies, yes, I have my preferences, but that's not, not, about not to, the entire. And that's the next great segue. I'm glad I paid you to do that great segue. That's my next question. Your fly preferences. I mean, what are some of the, what are some of the standards you might use during the summer? So I, I really like, I've, I've caught fish on both shrimp patterns and crab patterns and combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to bet all the money that I have on a fly to catch bonefish, it would be a shrimp pattern in tan and orange. Okay. So that is really my go-to color and, and pattern. I'm not picky. It doesn't have to be a certain type of shrimp pattern. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really care. As long as it looks like a shrimp and it tan and orange, I'm willing to bet all the money in the world on that fly. Very interesting. I, I like hearing those little little nuances of that. Now, just coming back from the Montana trout fishing world, which I did a solo trip by myself, did really well, caught a lot of fish, and um, you probably never even fished for them with these, but you, have, have you ever seen or heard of anyone catching bonefish on a dry fly? Never. I, I have never heard that. It, it's funny because I have only seen bonefish eat on the surface one time in my life okay. and that was way south of where we were fishing that day so this mm-hmm. was almost towards Key Largo mm-hmm. and we would see schools of bonefish and they would not eat any flies they would not eat I mean these mm-hmm. were perfect casts perfect mm-hmm. flies and nothing and then we kind of saw them doing something weird on the surface and as we got a little closer 
turns out they were eating these tiny glass minnows. Huh. And sometimes they would eat them on the surface, but it was really rare, yeah. right? And that's the only time I have seen that. So, you know, will a dry fly, fly work for, for bonefish? Maybe. But I, I suspect there's about 99% chance it won't. Well, I'm just saying, you know, there's always, that, the there's always that cocky guy that would go, you know what, I'm catching one on a dry fly today, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, one of the reasons I asked that, because their mouth is designed very similarly to a redfish. You know, redfish are designed to eat stuff on the bottom, but redfish sure love to turn up and eat a fly or eat a, a topwater all the time, you know? So uh, just interesting observations of these incredible fish. And, um, you know, you guys have that, you know, tremendous fishery down there where you're catching all three of the flat slam right there. Permit, I'll be doing a permit trip with you here soon. You know, tarpon, you got this wonderful fishery. So I got, but I got to talk because we're fishermen. We all like to talk about how we enjoy the beautiful sun glistening on the water. But at the end of the day, we're going to talk about who caught the biggest stinking fish in the boat. So uh, what is the biggest <laughs> bonefish you've ever had in your boat? So the biggest bonefish ever landed on my boat was last August. Mm -hmm. It was by a local client of mine here in Miami. Mm -hmm. And it was, we estimated it at about 14 pounds. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, uh, you know, I'm Cuban, so I tend to exaggerate. And so I overcompensate. So I looked at it and I said, dude, that looks like a 14 pound bonefish. And we got tons of pictures, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I text them to a couple of other uh, bonefish guide buddies of mine. And I just asked them, how big do you think this bonefish is? And, and they both came back about 14. So I was, I was glad, you know, um, and he ended up, we released it, but he ended up having a fiberglass mount of that fish. Cause that's, that's really fish of a lifetime. I, I don't think he'll ever catch another fish that size of bonefish. And, and I, there's a good chance, nobody will ever get one that big on the boat, my boat either. It's, that was a, a pig. Although I have seen bonefish out there in Biscayne Bay that I would, I would estimate at about 16 pounds, which is uh, very close to the world record. The world record is 16 pounds in a few ounces. Mm -hmm. So I know we have world record fish out here. Landing them is a whole different story. Yeah, that's a whole different gig right there. Caught one half that size, and I'm like, holy smokes. But, um, geez, you know, I was talking to Dr. Aaron Adams with the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust, and he said on my show, he said, uh, bonefish are the gateway drug to flats fishing. And I'm like, yes, because I just booked another trip to go back with the same guy to catch a stinking permit. And uh, it's got me going nuts for this stuff, you know, and I'm looking up tarpon and all this stuff more. But, uh, you know, we're laughing, we're joking, we're having a great time. And really, at the end of the day, that's what all this is about. But I know I've been talking a lot about bonefish over the last, you know, months in my various media outlets. A lot of people, Captain, have this as their dream fish. More people than I even suspected now, a lot of us like me, the ultimate, ultimate dream, like my, this was like catching one on spinning was like getting that wonderful steak, the best steak I've ever had. But getting one on the fly would be like getting the steak and getting cheesecake at the end, right? So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do that next year, but um, in a couple of days right there. So uh, that's my analogy as someone who's hungry right now. It's supper time. But, uh, you know, incredible times out there doing this stuff. And if someone wants to book a trip with you, how do they do that? Well, they uh, can go to my website, which is MiamiBoneFishing.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm also on Instagram, same thing, MiamiBoneFishing.com. And mm -hmm. on there, both is uh, my cell phone number, contact information. On my website, my email, they can shoot me an email as well. 
Um, I have a uh, YouTube channel uh, of the videos, basically videos of clients catching bonefish, tarp and permit, that kind of stuff. The YouTube channel is the same name, Miami Bone Fishing. So uh, that's really the best way to reach me. It's uh, just email, call, or text, and um, let me know what days are interested in. But it's, uh, it's, it's a great fishery. It's, it, there's so much to catch out here. And, and like you said, bonefish is the gateway. And it's funny you say that because um, uh, what are we today? Today is what, Monday? So this was Saturday, mm-hmm. I think it was. I had a guy from Kazakhstan wow. jump on board, and he caught his first bonefish. Mm-hmm. And he tells me, he says, uh, you know, my, my, my birthday's in November, and I want to come back and catch more. <laughs> it's See? unbelievable. Oh, my God. And, and I may be coming back in November because I might be going to the BTT expo thing. So I'm like, right. I have to go with Captain Mo again. It's just a, it's a legit, it's a friendship thing now. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> geez, but a lot of fun. Obviously, if it's something that want, you want to go back and do that much, it's a great thing. And I had a great time with you connecting there. A lot of fun on the water. Look forward to being on the water here in a few days. And hopefully I can come back and report. We had a really good trip, but uh, thanks for uh, calling in the podcast. We appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Chester. You have a great evening. You too. It's been said that bonefish provide us practice, tarpon provide us excitement, and permit provide us humility. But what can we provide them in return for so enriching our lives? Our support for the science behind the fight. Our support for Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Please join us today at BTT.org. These species' well-being depends on it. You've been listening to Higher Calling Gulf Coast with award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist, Chester Moore. Email him at chester at chestermoore.com. Check out his wildlife writings at highercalling.net and find him at thechestermoore on Instagram.